This is episode 465 of the AWS podcast, released on August 11th, 2021. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS podcast. Simon Lashier here with you, and this is a very special series called Right Now at AWS. Hosted by Hadi Doptus, it's a special series focusing on enterprises across industries. We hope you enjoy it. This is Right Now at AWS, the podcast series that surfaces patterns, best practices, and successful solutions across every imaginable industry. I'm your host, Katie Daptis. If you're in the life sciences, biopharma industries, you know R&D is the biggest cost associated with getting a new drug to market. But managing clinical trials data in the cloud can reduce R&D costs and accelerate the science itself helping to bring life-saving medicines to market faster. Today, Drew Gardy is helping us break down the challenges and advancements in managing clinical trials data. Drew is CTO of Viva Vault Clinical Data Management Suite. Viva is a leader in cloud-based software for the global life sciences industry and is also an AWS advanced technology partner. Drew, thank you so much for stopping by today. Hey, it's a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. So we're talking about this topic because it is so timely. Over the last 18 months, R&D and clinical trials data management underwent a transformation. Can you provide where the industry is now? Oh, I'd be happy to. You know, the pandemic really has had a significant impact in how we execute clinical studies. And this is true, I guess, both in terms of methodology as well as speed. So perhaps first, a a little bit of context, I think, and some, some examples might answer the question directly. So clinical research is the design and execution of scientific studies, and our goal is to prove safety and efficacy of potential treatments and cures. But to ensure we maintain scientific integrity, we need to perform both interventional and observational procedures at very precise time points. And that collection of this data is historically occurring at physicians' offices or patient care clinics or even hospitals. But the pandemic really challenged our ability to perform those procedures as well as collect the study data because so many of the sites were effectively closed and patients were really weren't even leaving their homes in many cases. But as they say, necessity breeds innovation. So very quickly, many studies were adapted to include things like telemedicine and home-based visits. And this, I think, is a lasting trend because it really paves the way to tap into populations that have historically been challenged to actually even participate in clinical research. And, you know, Katie, another example of, of how the pandemic has changed the way that we work is through the monitoring of healthcare studies. Now, prior to the pandemic, clinical research associates, or CRAs as they're known, would often go to a a principal investigator, the doctor's office, to review the quality of the clinical execution on site and make sure that the site's compliant with respect to the study protocol. And a lot of this time is spent reviewing documents. And typically, these documents have only been available on site. And so healthcare facilities limiting access to only the, the, those in need, i.e. the patients, CRAs weren't even allowed to access the buildings. So another change that was needed was to bring the documents to the CRAs. So what we ended up doing was providing sites with solutions that allowed them to share their documents electronically with specific individuals for review. Now, if all those changes weren't enough, the industry really needed to deal with the urgency of the situation. And this resulted in a massive shift in speed. We needed to collect, clean, analyze, and report on that data in record time. Now, this is really where people have and are still employing incredible efforts, as well as creative solutions to continue to make that difference. 
So where's the industry now? I think the industry is learning about the pandemic and what we've taken from it and are really working to harness that knowledge. There are just so many who are appropriately exhausted, but equally inspired from what we've been able to accomplish. I think it's really interesting how you're explaining that being decentralized and opening up opportunities for remote participation has really opened the doors for new types of participants in these studies, which is just going to make the studies better, which is going to make the drug better. It does, for sure. That is very exciting. But all of these changes are a lot. Um, (laughs) Were these all net new or were they an acceleration of existing trends? I'd say in general, we saw the acceleration of existing trends instead of new new techniques uh, per se. For instance, remote monitoring wasn't invented with COVID, but it was really a shift. Um, We took something that was beyond experimentation uh, in the industry as a practice, matured it, and then really validated it. I think in recent years, we've also seen a trend of many new data sources coming into clinical research. This has incredibly strained, I can't stress enough, data management organizations. So one last good example I'd have, I think of an existing trend that sort of amplified during COVID, would be the complexity of the study designs, as well as the need for agility to those designs or changes to those designs. So due to the incredible urgency in, in, you know, in which the studies were being developed and executed, many studies needed to be altered, and sometimes even frequently, as, as we learned more from the data. So not all of our systems that were designed to support this type of high iterative approach. But thankfully, some of the more modern systems were, and we were able to handle these complexities quite well. That also seems very cutting edge to me. So we're able to now pivot when it's needed. We are. And in fact, that that agility in clinical studies is is more than just related to COVID. It is a practice that we are moving to advanced study designs, adaptive study designs that react to uh, data being collected in predefined ways. Um, Also, master protocols or platform trials. We're actually running a whole series of scientific experiments in inside a larger umbrella type of study. Yeah, the potential for that seems really great. It, it really is. It, it gives us a, a better platform in the industry to expand our research um, and mis- minimizing the effort associated with each one of those smaller studies. So ultimately, we should develop out more, more treatments and cures. Okay, so the acceleration of all these existing trends during this process, what worked? And then conversely, what broke? <laughs> Maybe instead of what worked, you could say who worked. I'd say people. People have worked a lot. And what I've also seen more, you know, throughout the entire process is that collaboration increased at levels I've never seen in the industry. So a good example uh, was in rapid study startups. So imagine, you know, from a pandemic perspective, we have to get these vaccines out. We also have to get therapies and treatments for those who are suffering uh, and struggling for their lives in, in critical care. And what would normally take anywhere between 8, 12, as long as like 16 weeks to design and configure a study's data collection systems um, was reduced to really a full implementation just a couple of days. So this is just a good example of where team collaboration, hard work toward a common goal, combined with some of our modern cloud-based technologies, we were able to leverage best practices 
and achieve truly unprecedented uh, throughput in terms of study design and implementations. What didn't work well? Well, I guess in certain areas, success was only achieved through superhuman effort, effort. And this is where I struggle as a technologist. I want to make sure that superhuman effort isn't what is necessary, right? So what didn't go well? Well, I would say that, you know, it's most evident in the processes that typically occur either infrequently and or they're often spaced apart in time. So a good example might be an interim lock of study data for analysis. So at various time points, usually defined in months or even years apart, we use leverage subsets of study data uh, and prepare it for analysis. So typically for this to occur, the data not only has to be collected, but it has to be reviewed for discrepancies. Those discrepancies have to be resolved. We need high quality data for high quality results. And so this is a large orchestration job for data managers that normally is spread out over time. What we saw with COVID was that instead of months, interim locks were occurring as often as twice a day. We needed results fast. So this meant that data managers turned into what would be best described potentially as like high fidelity air traffic controllers. Um, it was, you know, it was mostly through those super, superhuman efforts um, that the requirements were able to be realized and met. And I think we, from you know, as technologists uh, and data stewards, we can do better to help out in those situations and ultimately lift the industry. Yeah, let's dive a little deeper into that. So as a technologist, how do you think technology can address the gaps and scale people and resources? Because yes, as you said, we hit a high watermark, but that was through, you know, superhuman effort. So how do we continue that without wearing out people? Sure. Well, why, why don't we go back to the, the example of sort of what I, I like to call uh, the expanding clinical data universe, basically the constant increase in new data sources and emerging data sources. Well, we turn to the cloud to keep up with the storage um, of increasing scale and, and new sources of data. And with that, we also have the highest levels of security and protection of that data required, right? Now, our goal at Viva is to really enable um, our customers to optimize their endeavors, right? Customer success. And to us, it's, it's critical that we are able to build um, the intelligence and the data models, bring them together with best practices and exceptional user experience to ultimately give that value proposition. Now, the cloud gives us that foundation, right? It offers us the scale, the breadth, the redundancy, but the cloud also gives us something more. It gives us the tools to handle the different types of, and shapes and sizes of our clinical data. And you know, with, with all of that, we basically need the highest level of availability and durability. And so we use that to ensure that all of our customers and users and stakeholders in clinical research have access to the systems whenever they need it to do whatever they need to do. Now, this is also a place where I really see the benefit of working with AWS team and the cloud infrastructure. Clinical data is absolutely a precious form of high volume data. And our Vault teams have worked closely with AWS to be able to leverage you know, your capabilities around scale and redundancy. And it helps us deliver a truly world-class solution. We know that a lot of industries are leveraging AI, but what do you think the role of AI in life sciences is? Katie, I'm so glad you asked about AI. I'm excited about AI, but possibly not in a traditional way. 
So in my experience, many people have overinflated views of what AI can do. I have many industry colleagues who come to me expressing disappointments associated with their, you know, sort of overstatement of potential and unrealized benefits. But look, clinical research systems have evolved to be complex, and many AI methods become significantly com more complex with low or mixed quality data. And the question is, how do we turn the complex and make it simple? Well, we have to recognize that many of the systems leveraged in clinical data management have been around for 20 years, right? And these systems weren't designed for the sophistication of today's clinical research and certainly not designed to efficiently enable AI with high quality data. So a better path you know, toward getting value from AI really starts with a modern cloud-based platform that's designed to solve for the complexities of modern clinical research. Now, through our product design process, we had to decide what people do best and what computers do best and design not only the technology, but the processes and the data to foster the collaboration between humans and computers. Now, this process started from a blank canvas and the, just the act of developing a new foundation in the cloud gave us a rare opportunity to simplify and address modern clinical trial requirements, as well as to enable you know, breakthrough best practices. In essence, the process of creating a new technology foundation with modern study and AI requirements in mind have already proven more efficient than legacy clinical systems. Now, this is true even though we are now just at the early stages of augmentation, automation, and applying AI in our own solutions. I'm excited about what we have planned in terms of our automation and AI roadmap. Um, just give you some insights. A good example would include the augmentation of data identification from a variety of all those sources, those new and emergent sources, as well as the automation of ingestion of all of that data into our CDB or a clinical database product. We are in the early stages of working with customers and they're able to work with all of their data in a single place. And I believe, I believe it's going to be transformative for data management teams who can now work with a common business process set regardless of the data sources. And if we think about all of those new data sources coming out, traditionally, each one of those would have its own process set. Now, unifying and bringing all of that together, we can actually employ a common business process. Once in CDB, another application of AI is to leverage it, that plus the study metadata, in order to automate the selection and the execution of appropriate cleaning activities based on that metadata, as well as to transform that data for downstream uses. Drew, you have a really unique view of this issue. What are you excited about going forward? Katie, you know, I really deeply believe in people. And I was and I'm still absolutely witness to so many incredible achievements at a time of a true global crisis. We aren't done. The pandemic's not over. Um, but the pandemic really has offered the industry proof that it can do more faster than it's ever done before. I'm excited about the fact that this is known now because the industry's bar has been lifted. It's now been raised and our expectations are higher. As a technologist, I also believe that to do more, we need better tools to automate and to remove tasks as well as to enable better processes. A new wave of cloud-based tools have and are still emerging that are increasing our industry's ability in both in capabilities and capacity. And I'm excited, not just about the potential of what we can do, but now by the momentum of what has taken hold throughout the pandemic. And this leads me to my own professional motivation. And that is to see that these advancements accelerate the development of life-changing treatments and cures. 
It is very exciting and inspiring. Drew, thank you so much for your time today. My real pleasure. Thank you.